three, two, one. Welcome back. <laughs> what, to, what episode are we looking at here? Twelve. Why are you talking with such a deep voice? Because we have our nephew Riley in town, and he's eight years old, seven years old. Seven years old. He'll be. Well, seven. he's going into second grade. Yeah. And every time that I ask him a question, everything is what? No. <laughs> Hello. Nope. So I was imitating He's Riley. making his voice a little deeper than it really is so that he can sound a little more, I don't know, manly. Manly, yeah. Um, Correctamundo. All right, so episode, episode 12. Uh, UK, you go, you go. Go ahead, explain. I just did, episode 12. Tell us what's going on. Uh, well, we, we are changing it up today. And in honor of our nieces or goddaughter, she's both, both. of those, uh, her 17th birthday, we wanted to celebrate with her and honor the fact that she is almost an adult a year away, right? And uh, we wanted to have her on the show to talk about the lessons that she's learned from working with her horse. Okay. And uh, it was really enlightening to hear her talk. I think oftentimes we assume that teenagers... Um, don't necessarily have something to say or if they have something to say they're not willing to share it with adults or if they are sharing it it's not worth listening to and that's a shame or the way it comes out sometimes the way teenagers talk doesn't um like resonate with adults or grown-ups right some it, it sometimes it's like teenager talk like i'm a teacher you're a teacher we know teenager talk lands well with other teenagers right. but it doesn't land well with adults sometimes so, and obviously we're, we're introing this in hindsight, you did the interview uh, and she, she really apparently came across pretty well in terms of that. Yeah, she did a great job. Um, and so we put her on the spot and said, hey, Taylor, I want you to join us on the podcast and tell us about the things that you've learned and maybe um, how that can help other people that are working to be creative in something. And she shared, some pretty cool insights about um, how she's learned to work with her horse, what that's taught her about herself. And um, I think it's it's pretty cool to hear a 17 year old share that in a very mature way. Well, one thing I know already about her, you know, without even hearing her speak about it, which I can't wait to hear what she's got to say because she's never really gone in depth in talking to us about it anyway. But I know just from watching her and I know there's just a different language when you're talking about human beings and their animals, you know, when they have, when you have a special connection with an animal, um, I think anybody that has a pet can relate to that, but we're now talking about a massive animal and her horse, it, it, they're just majestic creatures in the first place. But secondly, being able to connect with it in a way that it trusts you and doesn't want to, to run away from you or, or doesn't want to be away from you, uh, that's, that's a really neat thing. It's a, it's a strange thing in a way. So I, I can't wait to hear her talk about that. So. Well, and it was, uh, you know, just to foreshadow a couple things that I was so impressed with and taken, taken by was that it showed how much she's reflected from all of these failures and successes that she's had from riding a horse, which is something that, you know, we hope to instill in 
the next generation of kids that are coming up and are going to be the ones taking care of all of us. And and she shared a lot of uh, her ideas and reflections about um, herself and about BB and about her family. BB's the horse. BB is the horse. And so, yeah, I can't wait. It, well, and the other thing too, just before we do cut away to it, um, the uh, there's so there's something so creative to me or seemingly creative to me about the idea of communicating without words and that i don't think that they really use words with horses i no. know we use like word commands with dogs no she's but... going to talk about how she's learned how t to p apply pressure in certain ways with her legs or her feet or her reins or whatever she right. uses and so um, yeah, I, I'm excited because everybody that's listening um, should be able to take something from it and also just feel great to hear um, a representative of teenagers these yeah, days yeah. And, and how they really have so much knowledge to share and uh, Taylor just does a great job of All representing right. that. So, Well, without further ado, my lovely niece and goddaughter, Taylor Marie Zamora. Okay, welcome, welcome. Episode 12 of Creative Moonlighting. <laughs> uh, we're in Corpus this week. Uh, we came for Mother's Day and I told Matthew, pick, pack up all of the equipment because we're going to do some podcasts. So today I'm super, super, super excited to have my favorite niece on the podcast. And my favorite niece is... Her only niece. <laughs> uh, so this is Taylor, um, and she is 17 years old, a junior. We're in the middle of, or nearing the end of quarantine, right, Mer? I'd hope so. Yeah. So um, her name is Taylor Marie, and so sometimes I might call her Mer by accident because that's our nickname for her because Marie, we, how did we end up with Mer? I don't know. I think Grandpa started something about that. Yeah, he did. He did. So, um... Taylor uh, is a really skilled, um, is it? Equestrian. Equestrian. Okay. <laughs> Equestrian. And she's been riding horses for how long now? Uh, or showing horses? I've been showing since I was like six, so about 11, 10, 11 years. And then, but you did goats and what else? Uh, I did goats, rabbits. I did shop projects for 4-H and I did homemaking. Starting what age? Uh, eight. Okay, so the thing I wanted to talk about with you today was, um, and I think anybody can relate to this, right, is are the lessons that you learn from really being focused on something, and in your case, it's working with horses, right? Yeah. And so um, tell us what, like, a normal day is like. What's a normal day with BB? Well... Recently, we've switched to three rides a day. Okay. So my mom in the morning, we have a conversation about who's going to ride when. So okay. this morning it was me. Mm -hmm. And so I rode and we gave her the middle of the day off. So I go out there and I ride and then I rinse her off and I let her go for a little bit and she rolls. Mm -hmm. And then later on, maybe my mom will go out and she'll ride around like noon and then we'll let her go again and she'll roll. And then I go out after I feed her dinner. And then I go and I ride her again and we rinse her off finally. And then she goes to sleep and we repeat every day of the week. Every day? All seven days? Every day of the week. 
Okay, so is there a typical amount of time or is there like a certain amount of time that you're supposed to ride your horse if you're in if you're if you show horses? Well, what do you mean by that? Like you said three times a day yeah. you ride. Like does she if she's a show horse, does she have to be ridden at no. least three hours a day? Some people won't ride their horses for weeks or months. Why? But those people are the people that will just go somewhere buy a really expensive pre-trained horse take it to their barn and maybe go like once a week and just make sure it's still working oh so they rely on somebody else to train the horse and i'm training mine so i have to ride three times a day to make sure it's still in her brain that she needs to work on what we're working on yeah so i heard about um have you met master trainer oh yes okay so i haven't met master trainer so in corpus there is a dog trainer Mm -hmm. called master trainer I don't know what his name is. I don't think anyone knows his name. (laughs) So I think about this because we had a friend who got a lab as a puppy Mm. and didn't want to worry about training the lab. So he just took the lab to the master trainer and um, the trainer did it. He paid his money, came back, but then the dog didn't behave for him. Yeah. And but every time he'd go back to master trainer, he'd go, she's not doing what you taught, you know, and then master trainer is like, she does it for me yeah so there has to be something like that is really important about you being the one that Mm -hmm. trains bb right yeah there really is so okay so then like i want to look i want to hear about things that um are like really fun what do you love about doing this well my favorite part is like the reward that comes from it Mm -hmm. because we're actually making a lot of progress like I remember the first time I sat on her like period before anything and it was the most rewarding thing ever and now like thinking about it I could ask her to do anything and she'll do it and she'll do with ease because horses unlike a lot of animals like to please people mm-hmm. so horses main goals are to please the rider or the person that owns them and so working with her has taught me a lot about the rewards that can come from it also like an amazing friendship mm-hmm. because like I'll be outside and I'll like yell her name and she'll look at me and she'll come towards me yeah I saw her yesterday when we were over at the house and you yeah. just like we were far away from her. Oh, yeah. I'll just barely say her name and she'll like look at me and she'll start walking that way. And So thinking about, you think about from when you first started riding her to now and oh, yeah. it feels really good because you see that she's changed the so progress. much. progress, yeah. How have you changed? How has it changed oh, you? I, well, whenever I first started riding, I rode the horses that were already trained and were really expensive and I never really knew what I was doing until I bought my first horse and then she went blind. So then I had to learn how to retrain her to where like it was safe for me to ride. And I was only like, I guess I was like nine maybe. Mm -hmm. And then I got my, uh, she had a brain tumor that caused her to go blind. So finally we had to put her down. And then we got my little mare for free and I've been training her ever since. But whenever I first started, I was like, this is this is going to be interesting. Like, I'm so excited. And then it got harder. And when things got harder, sometimes I was like, I can't do this. We need a real trainer. Like, I'm literally, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Mm-hmm. And then I just keep going for a little bit, just to push myself as far as I can. And finally, I'd get that little reward. And I'd get really excited. And I'd be like, okay. And then we'd have to do something else. And I'd go through the whole process over and Mm -hmm. over again. And that's still how it is. Like, not even a year ago, 
I told my mom right before a really large show, I was like, this is my last show. I can't do this anymore. And I'm still showing. Like, I'm going to state this summer if they open it. Mm -hmm. So, so per, uh, I mean, part of it, what I heard you say is that you're always trying to adapt to oh yes wherever you and BBR together, mm -hmm. right? We have to be on the same like level. We can't be like I'm somewhere all the way up here, or she's all the way up here, and I'm lagging behind. We got to be on the same page, eye. yeah, because yeah. otherwise it ends terribly. <laughs> so I've heard you talk about all these things that you love about riding horses, oh, yes. <laughs> right? I mean, I know I it's. For all of us in the family, we know that Taylor loves to be with BB and spend time in the pasture with all oh, the yeah. animals. But I also want to be real about you're 17 years old. Oh, yeah. You're in what other things in school? I'm in marching band, mm -hmm. but in marching band, I'm in color guard. And mm -hmm. last year I was the captain. And mm -hmm. so hopefully this year I'm going to be the captain too. And then I have all my dual credit classes. So I'm already in college classes. And then all my UT classes and my normal classes and it's a lot mm -hmm. like they wanted also me to do NHS mm -hmm. and I just National the, Honor Society yeah, that's right that's the one thing where I like I filled out the paper and I was like but like thinking about it honestly I already got my letter from the college that I want and I know it would look at, make it look better but I can't push myself past my limit and that's what I really learned with all my extracurriculars or yeah yeah like that I can't push myself too far that I, it's all gonna fall apart that's a really good lesson to learn early because even um when you were hearing Lulu talk about moving from the Philippines so in the previous episode we talked about with my mom how she moved from the Philippines here yeah and she didn't know how to balance everything oh, yeah I mean if she could have learned at your age because she by the time she moved here she was already older and she still hadn't figured out the right balance mm -hmm. so I think that's a really important thing is to say know what your limits are for what you can and can't commit to yeah my freshman year of high school I was doing basketball volleyball horses color guard all advanced classes and I I literally I think I made it three weeks into the volleyball season before I told my coach I can't do this because there was so much going on because it was marching season. And then I made it through basketball season before I had a lot of knee issues that wouldn't really allow me to play basketball as well as I wanted to. So then I finally cut basketball off. I couldn't do track. And so I finally... Did your mom make you tell your coach yourself or did you tell your mom and then your mom went? I was the one who always met with my coaches first because I was the one who made all my decisions in the end. I wouldn't really, like, I'd talk it over with my parents, but I wouldn't really let them make that decision for me. Mm -hmm. I, like, learned my freshman year that I was going to have to be the one to make these decisions and that even though it was going to be really tough, I still had friends in that group that I could talk with and hang out with. I haven't played basketball in two years now, but I still hang out with the girls that I used to play with, and we still mess around every once in a while. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So when because you had made the decision that you wanted to really spend time with BB and mm -hmm. work on showing her, like, did it prevent you from like, did it create a divide between you and your friends or like what kind of effect did it have on your social life? On my social life, the funny part is I don't have many friends at my school like I'm friends with some people but like it's only if we like hang out a lot and that's like three people but I have a lot of show friends so 
like I have friends from like Tulsa Midway and Cal Allen and London and Vets and I guess yeah maybe Carol too but we're all friends all over mm -hmm. the state of Texas because we all come together so whenever I like need to talk to someone I could call them or we can meet up somewhere and hang out and I have some people that I'm friends with that are in college too and I mean, it never really affected me because I'm not a very social person. I'm a very secluded person. I think that's where horses really help is because when it comes to shows, I make friends. But otherwise, like I'm very like I keep to myself. I don't like being around a ton of people. That's really so I can relate to that, too. When I was a teenager, you know, growing up, I played tennis. Yeah. I played tennis here at the bluff and it was really similar to your experience. Um, the bluff, when we say the bluff, that's just where Taylor and I, I went to high school there. Taylor goes to high school mm -hmm. there now. And so the, the cool thing about it at flower bluff, it, when I, at least when I was going was you could be in a lot of things. You could be oh, involved yeah. in a lot of things. Like, um, I knew a lot of friends that if they were going to school in town, they weren't allowed to be in band and sports oh, yeah. and cheerleading and all that they had to choose yeah so um what you were saying that stuck with me was because I played tennis I played tennis within the city and I had friends in all different schools yeah and it was so cool because if I wanted to talk like if I wanted to talk about something going on at school yeah. I could tell other people in town <laughs> and they didn't they weren't going to tell anybody because no, they, they didn't know all yeah, my friends they don't you know? know the people I could just tell the story about things that happened or who I liked or an embarrassing thing you know whatever and I knew yeah. the secret was safe because they weren't going to tell anybody at school so I think that was kind of a cool um like outlet to have that yes. wasn't just in the like immediate group of people that I was around so um Okay, so I think you talked about um, learning things about BB, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 working with her. You talked about um, like the challenges of um, juggling things. Oh yeah. Tell me something that you've really learned about yourself from writing BB. I've learned that I'm more of like a relaxed person. That like if it comes to something going wrong between me and her, I won't pin the blame on her because I had to do something to make that happen. So I've learned that whatever's going on, if you're involved, you had to play a role in it. And that like, you have to like figure out a solution no mm -hmm. matter what's going on. Yeah, wow, that's pretty cool. Man, Mur, you can you can teach people a lot of things <laughs> in your 17 years of <laughs> wisdom there you have, right? Um, has, it, has it helped you be creative? Oh, yeah. Has writing courses helped you be creative? Yeah. Like, how so? Well, because with me, I ride performance. So there's a lot of stuff that you have to have for performance. And so when it comes to, like, having to get something new, I have to come up with creative ways to get the money to do that. Or when I'm at a show oh. and something breaks, I have to figure out how to fix it in a limited amount of time and how to be able to get back on my feet and go into a class. Cause I've had zippers break on my outfits. I've had stuff on my horse break and I've had my horse choke and I had a call at the vet and then we were still able to show. We didn't miss a single class mm -hmm. and she was okay in the end, but I've had to figure out how to get past that. And mm -hmm. also with building the stuff that it comes, that like comes with her, 
like building bridges and like gates to open Mm -hmm. or like building a barn for her like it took a lot of creativity and just like being around her I just sometimes I just have to get creative on how like sometimes if she's upset and I have to figure out how to catch her yeah I gotta be real creative because sometimes it just won't work well and um isn't it I've heard a lot about when you're riding horses you know they sense everything that you feel so what is what are things that you've learned about how you're supposed to keep your demeanor or like your yeah your uh, so that your emotions don't affect her what do you have to do I typically leave on like I'll have my phone under my saddle so it doesn't fall but I'll like turn on like country music so her and I could both hear it and then I'll just leave it on because it's like a really soothing thing for her to hear so like if like I hear a four-wheeler if I hear it start up like sometimes it makes me jump and then she'll jump but the thing is is that you got to get back to what you were doing as soon as possible and act like nothing ever happened like if she sees a person that's not supposed to be there she'll freak out for a minute but then we go back to what we were doing and it's like nothing ever happened and that's the best way to do it because you don't want her to be super freaked out the whole ride and then you'll just get nothing done Mm. so you just got to collect yourself and just go back to whatever you're doing no matter how scary it is you just got to get back on like I've been thrown off before and I had my dad help me get back on and I finished my ride Mm-hmm. But you just got to do what you got to do to keep going. Yeah, that is a not a lot of people can do that. No. I mean, th- that's something that makes people uh, if they feel like they failed at it, they don't want to get no. back up and do it. And you literally are getting back up. <laughs> yeah. In I, the like, you know, all the phrases get back up in the saddle like you literally are doing. Yeah, that. <laughs> I have like I've had to have help getting on before because I think right before my Houston show. I decided to sit on my horse while she didn't have anything on her and then she went to go chase a goat and I flew right off and I hit my hip so hard that I could barely get on my horse and it was like less than a week before Houston and I figured like I rode twice a day still and I was always on and I still went I placed pretty nicely in that show and it was a very large show but like you can't no matter what happens like with horse girls like in general we'll just no matter what's going on no matter how many times the doctor tells you not to do something we'll still be riding like my friend cracked two of her ribs she got stepped on and she's a really little person and she got stepped on because she fell off and the horse went right over her but literally she was supposed to be out for two months and she was riding two days later and we just don't let anything stop us like no matter what's going on we're still out there we're still figuring stuff out we push ourselves wow so um, if you've heard the podcast, you know that we always end it with like top three, right? Yeah. Three things that we really think um, are helpful for other people to hear about. In this case, creativity. Yeah. And you've talked a lot about um, your experience with BB and just being a teenager, a junior oh, yeah. in high school. <laughs> and so um, I wrote down some of your ideas as you were talking. And if you have Um, three ideas that you want to share in addition after then I would love to hear them but as you were talking I heard you say um, the importance of being adaptable yeah and I think for people that are creative you know they have in their mind what they think they what they think the end product is going to be yeah in your case for you it's you have in your mind what you think a perfect ride should look like right but Everybody knows that that perfect thing, sure, we're all try- striving for it, but that's not, might not always happen. So you still 
stay focused on it, but you have to be aware of the changes that are occurring as you go and adapt to them. Would you say that is what you were talking about? Yeah, you kind of like, even if you're having like what seems to be like a terrible ride, you got to figure out one thing that you could do that can make that ride end on a good note. Like that's what I've always learned is you could be having a terrible ride. Your horse could be running around crazy. But if you could get that horse to take like three good steps, it's better than nothing. Like I'll spend hours outside trying to get my horse to walk slowly for even like five steps and it will take me hours one hours. And that's what you just got to do. You got to be out there. You got to be putting in the hours to get those three good steps. I love that. Just one thing to end on a good note. I think that is a really great um, thing to keep in mind. Like everything doesn't have to be perfect, but find one thing that will be helpful and make you feel like it's a victory. Yes. Okay. All right. The second thing that I heard you talk about was kind of related um, to this, uh, but was about uh, why I wrote widen your network, but what I mean by that is you, you and I both talked about having friends that were outside yes. of just our immediate, um, like community that we're in together. And so, um, like in, in my case, I think about you could get stuck in the mindset of the people that are just around you. Yes. And so it's good to hear from other people that aren't just here right here and meet like right close to you so do you find that your friends on the outside like they really are helpful yeah like if I'm in a situation with people where I feel like I'm just overwhelmed like in marching band if I'm just having an overall like bad day where like no one's listening or I'm getting yelled at by the directors because nobody's listening what I do whenever I get home is I'll just eat food and then I'll call my friend from the valley mm-hmm. and I'll just talk to her about everything and we'll spend hours on the phone. And finally, when I like think about it, I'm like, it's not that bad. Like tomorrow will be better. And like I still have my friends out of town that I could call and mm-hmm. we'll talk it through. And by the end of it, like it's all going to be OK. Like it just makes you a stronger person in the end. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, OK. And then the third thing. I wrote a bunch. I mean, you had so many good points there. You were talking about overcoming, like collecting yourself and overcoming um, what's happening in the moment. But you actually said specifically that a uh, uh, one action that you do is you put music on. Yes. So how do you th- say a little bit more about how music might contribute to creativity? Well, when it comes to me writing, sometimes like I'll put on slower based music. So like what I'm hoping is that it'll keep my mindset at like a slower pace, which will hopefully like transfer to my horse. I'm having hope at this, but that'll like make her think, okay, well, we're all taking it slow. So maybe I should just relax and go with the music. And that's why like I don't put on like crazy music because I don't want her to freak out. Because sometimes like if she hears some stuff and she's not able to collect herself, then it it doesn't get any better but like with country music on or like slow music she's just able to gather herself and I'll gather myself and we'll go we'll sink back in with the music and everything will be fine yeah so the music that you play is going to reflect the emotion or the mind the the state of mind that you're in at that moment yeah so that's really important for people to hear about that if they're in the mode of being creative and they want to write about being angry 
Put maybe, on angry music. Yeah, maybe <laughs> that's when you put angry music on. But if you're about to write about or or not just write, but paint or do something and you yes. want that painting to look um, really, I don't know, scared, nervous. Maybe you put on like scary music. I don't know. Something like that. Like that's the thing is like whenever like I go into a class, I get very nervous. Like I'll go into a class and I'm shaking because like everyone gets it like I've been showing for about 10 years now and I still get shaky but I'll put on like some music before or like on the car ride to wherever we're going and I'll just like make sure to take deep breaths and I'll get myself together and then I'll see my friends and then I'm all I'm all okay and like I just have to take a breather and listen to something that'll calm me down first Mm -hmm. man Good points there, Mer. Um, thank you for for sitting with me at Lulu's house and uh, uh, talking with me on the podcast. I think it's exciting to get to hear from your perspective as a 17-year-old. And, um, you know, a lot of times uh, older people just want to tell you what to do. Yes. Right? I never get a word in sometimes. <laughs> sometimes you don't. I do watch that. And in our family, it's really hard to get a word oh, in sometimes because we're uh, – <laughs> A, very a, loud yeah loud and elaborate. yeah elaborate group of talkers so um I'm really happy that you spent time and we got to do this together me too all right so uh that's a wrap episode 12 um what we can learn from a 17 year old uh equestrian <laughs> until next time adios Bye.